0: Ladies and gentlemen, the boys are back. <laughs> Welcome back to a Geek Explained Extra series that we're calling Into the Snyderverse, where I, alongside two intrepid explorers, are diving through the entire DCEU in preparation of the Snyder Cut, which is releasing pretty frickin' soon here. We're recording everything in advance. This is actually the first episode we're recording in the new year. We recorded... All the previous episodes pretty much in 2020, so that is why there were some dated references that you might have noticed. But uh, on this bizarre adventure, I am joined by my two co-hosts here. First off, from the Artistic Liberties podcast, we have Andrew Kincaid. Hey, hey,
1: folks. Glad to be
0: back. Glad to be back with a drink in hand. Mm Mm-hmm. And from the Scripts and Screams podcast, we have Chris Carter.
2: I'm excited to be here too, guys, and uh, I want—I really want to do the uh, the uh, Aquaman. Oh yeah, give me, give me, give it to me, Andrew. Give it to me. Come on, it's been a long time. Give it to us. Was it?
1: It was uh, uh, my man.
2: All (laughs) right. Now we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back.
0: Guys, it has been a minute since we've reviewed a DC <laughs> film. Um, but in the interim, a film came out that we didn't know if it was ever going to come out. True. Uh, this true. episode is all about Wonder Woman 1984. We are rounding out the catalog of the EU before we get to the Snyder Cut. Um, gentlemen, have you been just off off the cuff here. Um, how how do you feel about the DCEU so far as we've gone through all of these films? Do you feel about the same before we started on this journey? Do you feel different? Do you like it more? Do you like it less? Chris, I'll start with you.
2: You know, I feel like it's still a missed opportunity. I feel like it's, it's an example of poor leadership and everybody needs a Kevin Feige on their team, whether you're not Kevin Feige or not. I mean, they, they, Warner Brothers is... is I think Andrew said it best. It's one of the largest communication companies, media companies in the world. There's no shortage of money in there. So what there is, it's a it's a short-sightedness, a lack of creative vision maybe for the long-term. And um, it, it it what it has done for me makes me realize how dynamic uh, Marvel was in what they did because I, I don't think that DC has come anywhere near that um, not just establishing its characters, but creating a, a film universe as well. I know you guys have opinions on where, from the source material and where they took that. But from from my lens, it's just from the cinematic part of it. And there's been very few, I can maybe count three films that I actually enjoyed out of the nine that we've talked about. Or I'm sorry, the eight that we've talked about it so far.
1: Yeah. Andrew? Uh, I mean, Chris basically just took all the words right out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) Short-sightedness, lost opportunity, a giant waste of time. Like, what else needs to be said? Uh, (laughs) Full honesty as a fan of the source material, as a lover of so many of these characters, and someone who is still hoping to one day see possibly a decent live action or maybe even just a spectacular uh, animated movie of these characters. But yeah i can only really think i like two of these movies and everything else is just kind of infuriating
0: yeah and on that note we're going to go to the final film gentlemen raising a glass all of us are here for the first time in this series we're actually all drinking at the same time yeah we we are. are
1: drinking water chris
2: no i'm not this, this is vodka and tequila but it keeps mm. this it, it keeps it cold or vodka it's, it's it's uh i know i know <laughs> I like, it's tequila lemonade Oof. i promise better that it doesn't get runny too so that makes sense that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> hey but eric let me let me ask you how do you feel about it i mean you're probably the most knowledgeable person of the source material and the characters that that of the dc properties how do you feel since we've kind of been on this i mean where are you at right now? We're eight movies deep, going to go into our ninth. What are you Man, thinking? It, it's, it's been a
0: trip, honestly. Like, going through, like, watching the films, talking about them with you guys. Because, like, the thing that uh, kind of struck me while I've been in, like, the editing process, getting these episodes out, is, like, I re- realizing that I, like, wasn't able to have these kinds of conversations when all each and every one of these films came out like Mm -hmm. with specific films, mostly for like the earlier films in the, um, in the series, I was able to watch them with either one of you. And then we would Mm -hmm. kind of have that conversation, but like as the series went on and of course, like moved out of Arizona, like the films continued to come out. uh, It was, it, it was really like, I have kind of a deeper appreciation for the series as a whole through you guys and through our conversations mm-hmm. because they've allowed me to view the films in a different way like i'm and we've talked about this before on this specific series um i tend to come to things from a very emotional standpoint and i try to find the positives uh even when they are v- incredibly hard to find, but um, it's, it's been really cool getting other perspectives on it and kind of recounting these films, going through seeing that, okay, there are, you know, problems with these films or, okay, you know, I actually liked certain pieces of this film. So it's, it's been a a ride. It's been a real, real oh, yeah. fun ride. And it, and it gives me more of an appreciation and I guess gives me a better, Um, perspective rolling into Mm. the Snyder cut which is which is coming up quick Hell yeah (laughs) four (laughs) hours four hours four hour film it is so as you as the audience know um, since the last episode in this series a lot of time has passed and we got the announcement of the Snyder cut we've got uh, news about it. We know that it's going to be a legit four-hour film that is releasing on HBO Max on March 18th, and uh, we- we'll get into oh. more of that in the uh, in the next episode. But for this specific episode, we are going to be focusing on one film and one film only, and that is Wonder Woman 1984, released on Christmas Day in 2020, directed by Patty Jenkins, written by Patty Jenkins, alongside Jeff Johns and Dave Callaham, and I'm. We start the episodes off the same every single time. Do you gentlemen remember watching this film for the first time? I'm gonna kick it over to Chris first.
2: Yeah, and I will say this was this was great. The idea to release it on Christmas was so fun because you know everybody's kind of with their their family and their people, and then you know everybody has breakfast, you open presents, and then after that, it it, it is. Uh, a big tradition not in my family but in a lot of friends that i know that will go to the movies on christmas day it's a very mm-hmm. popular thing to do so the fact that we can sit in, uh, and and be comfortable especially with the environment and climate right with everything that we're in to see a tentpole blockbuster film is really that in itself is 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 fun man i i i think it was such a cool idea and i'll say that i was re- i was really looking forward to watching it um and then i watched it and then- <laughs> And then I'll let Andrew take it from here. <laughs> Andrew, I, I know it's, it's,
0: it is it is going to be the freshest in your mind because you probably I believe you saw this in like the past week or so, right?
1: Yeah, I, I got my ways of, of seeing it. And, you know, we're just going <laughs> to say that. Um, all the but, FBI yeah, operatives like, right. listening to this podcast just don't worry, just about leave it. it at that.
2: You know, but like, a VPN, he's in China right now, he's good,
1: he's good. <laughs> We're just gonna say it was the last day that on HBO that you could see it. Moving on, the fact of the matter is, is that like you know, I agree with Chris, like releasing it on Christmas was probably one of the best things that you could have done in a strategic and financial point. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think about, you know, the days and like, I probably would have said it on the podcast at some point. I'm just like, I wish I could have just seen the Wonder Woman movie where Patty Jenkins got her hand in the script <laughs> and not just the director's seat. <laughs> and I saw that movie. And unfortunately, the same result pretty much happened as the first go around. So let's so let's get into that a little bit, because
0: for those of you who have been following along here, I think you'll remember our first iteration or our first adventure into the wonder woman films was a pretty passionate episode. It was, it was a lot of perspectives, a lot of amazing, I think, conversations that allowed us to all kind of uh, see the film in a way that we hadn't seen it before. And I loved getting your perspective, Andrew, on that specifically, because you came to it from a very different perspective than either Chris or I did. Yeah. And as we kind of get into this film, um, let's just go ahead and talk about some of the things that uh, I guess really make the film, the film. Uh, And we'll start off with what you were, you were talking about here with the film. As we, as I just said, you know, it was written by Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, and Dave Callahan. So the original writer of the first wonder woman film, let me pull this up real quick was uh, Alan Heinberg. And he was not brought back for this film, which I thought was a shame because reasons uh right but bo- both of the films you can tell are very different when it comes to the yeah. writing yeah. and i think that it is no more um uh no more obvious than with the dialogue and kind of the through line of diana we kind of start the film off in a, a flashback because it's a Wonder Woman film, so we got to have a flash to Themyscira. And they're having some kind of like weird, like triathlon Olympic games thing that's going on. And I actually, I I dig the Themyscira sequences. I think it's a gorgeous landscape that they've built. I really like the um, the Amazon society that they've had, like the visuals of it, the way that they're kind of treated as both like, um, defenders as well as warriors, and I kind of wish that we got more like modern day Themyscira stuff. Um, how did you guys feel about the uh, the opening um, triathlon sequence, Chris?
2: Uh, I um I guess I'm going to be on the opposite. Of, I, I didn't I didn't enjoy it, and I felt like sure. that added a fair amount of time to the runtime, which I, I, I'm going to bring up when we talk about that too because it's two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and so when we got and we got this opener and I, I, I did enjoy it. I like world building. I think all the three of us here really like that part of it. It feels very, very fantasy, very sci-fi. It's a nice break when you have that. And so I really enjoyed that part of it. The problem that I had was that I think, and again, I don't want to jump too far ahead, is it at the end when she kind of cheats or or maybe takes a shortcut to win, obviously that's that's layered in for something that comes later. And and, sure. and I'm gonna bring this up later, but uh, I, for me it went on too long, and for mm. me it didn't necessarily help the story in a way that that made that that added to that runtime because it was a long sequence, and it's the first sequence we get in the film. And um, I'm sure you guys know by now that that a lot of we came out later that Patty Jenkins and, and some executives butt heads about that scene. Yeah, a lot of people wanted to cut that scene, um, and so it's interesting. I, I'm you know I'm glad you got away, but I do want to. I do want to say I, I absolutely agree with what with Andrew said and what you said too, Eric, that when you have a writer who's also the director, and I and I think she might be an EP on there. They had a shit ton of EPs. She Probably. might be an EP. That's that in my mind is a real problem from from the, the cinematic point of it because at that point. This person has a lot of control and, and even though you may you're you're too close to a project a lot of the times, that's why you get a director's cut and it's fucking four hours long. You don't need a, a movie that's four <laughs> hours long. You think that I mean speaking as a director, I think that every shot that we shoot is needed. And then I have of course. you know, Jessica comes in, it's like, no, we can cut half this shit. So then you have someone who can who can put you in your place, but if you're the writer, director, and one of the EPs or producers on the film, no one can really tell you that. And I think this opening scene in my opinion might have suffered from that because i think if you take this scene out does it hurt the movie as as a whole Uh you know i'd I'd love to hear that but but anyway I, i i digress it is your
0: you go andrew andrew how do you feel about the opening
1: oh my god um the unfortunate reality is that while it is cute and while it is um pleasant and it's a lot of fun it doesn't give us anything it doesn't give us or tells us anything that the first movie didn't already tell us Mm -hmm. and unfortunately i'm we're really honest to god with it like I'm so sick and tired of the trope of just like, oh, it's ancient Greek, so we have to do the Olympics of some kind. I'm sick and tired of it. Do something else from the culture. Do anything else that we can (laughs) nod to ancient Greek. Greek. I'm sick and tired of it. And now to see, the the biggest problem with me with this scene is it doesn't tell us anything about Diana that we didn't already know, except for the end where she can be selfish. Other than that, it's basically just the same thing that we got from the first movie, which is Diana is special among these special women. And that's it. Like, that's really it. And even going into that last bit in the end where she tries to cheat, which I'm going to get into later, doesn't pay off, doesn't add and doesn't do anything narratively.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think it's it's an interesting conversation to have because. A lot of times when we talk about, especially these DC films, um, the conversation comes up about uh, studio interference, about mm-hmm. them, you know, Warner Brothers or whatever executives coming in and kind of messing with a film. We saw that, I think, probably most egregiously with Suicide Squad, though I guess it could be argued Justice League mm-hmm. as well on the same notion. But um, I think this is one of those times, and I don't. Again, I don't like siding against the director in most of these situations, but I think this is one of those times when the studio was probably in the right to cut this film because I enjoyed it. I love Themyscira as a set piece, but you're absolutely right, Chris. Like, if you take this out, like, it doesn't change the movie fundamentally at all. But Mm. what I do love about this film is the very (laughs) next scene... Because it is Richard Donner cheese. It is what you would expect (laughs) to see in a, what I would expect to see in a Superman opening, just bright colors, lots of music going on. And you see like these little like wisps coming by someone mysterious, like saving people from like little accidents and everything. And I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely adore that shit like i am i am all over like corny cheese ball stuff when it comes to like especially when they're setting up tones like this um they are setting up like this small heist kind of thing where these guys who could not look more sketchy are going into this jewelry store and they're like show us to the back show us to the good stuff and they're (laughs) like you know it goes wrong they get they have this doofus uh guy who like spills the jewels out onto the onto the fucking floor and they're like oh my god and they like take this child and it's a whole thing but we do see uh diana wonder woman fly in with her lasso which defies all physics her costume has gotten a technicolor reboot which i love i love any kind of color when it comes to superhero costumes but um yeah and and what do you guys think of this suit and i admit full on again i'm the positive guy but i also i recognize (laughs) that this is super cheesy but it felt it it didn't feel out of place for a film set in the nineteen eighties. How did you guys feel about this? I will start with Andrew here.
1: <laughs> I did lobby the ball back to Chris that first time. You did. Um, <laughs> I, I I will have to say that this whole opening scene again. I'm gonna be saying that this movie is very cute because again, I do think this movie is very very cute. It's very very fun. It's very you know sugary cereal and candy. A like it's it's a fun time. I can't not, I can't not say that. And you're absolutely right. The be- opening is kind of a perfect um, Richard Donard superhero. Like you want to establish that this is a good character. And this is a good, good, fun time. Like this is how you do it. And the um, yeah, the, the bank, like the the mall heist, it, again, like, it, how can you not like have a smile on your face while Wonder Woman is kicking ass? Like, is there shakespeare no is you know gal gadot once again giving the same performance that she does in every single movie yes Yes. but it's a good time the suit looks great she looks great she looks like she knows how to throw a punch and she looks like she's actually doing it so i can't say that it's not a great opening yes
2: i don't again i'm the same guy that didn't love shazam too, yeah so for me so just i'm putting that out there so that cute is not really my thing um although i will say that it's a great tone for the film i think that is what was really accomplished in this part of the movie where it, you know because we don't we don't get this is the second part we talk about let's just call you know as you eloquently put it the olympics of mascara, and so here, this is the first introduction to we have to the world that we're going to be spending the majority of our two and a half hours in. I just want to, I
0: just want so, to, real quick, say that I'm the first person to call it the Olympics of themiscara We no and No one else has ever coined the term Olympics before. Copyright so that's trademark. That's, that's his. <laughs> just, I've got the Trinity, and now I've got the Olympics. <laughs>
2: the They're both
0: Trinity mine. Olympics. They're both yes. mine. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like
2: here. I've heard the Trinity somewhere else though, in a different context. Uh, for me. for me. Uh, from (laughs) but i mean it was yeah it was cute it it was a great introduction to to the to the film set to to what the vibe we're going to get for the movie because it's a really different vibe than the first wonder woman i mean the first wonder Woman was real serious i mean they dealt with some there wasn't a lot of levity one yeah yeah in like the dark parts you know they've got no man's land they use What's i would call mustard gas some type of gas that you know is, is terrible so it is it's different so people are thinking that maybe this film was going to be very much like the original this is kind of your introduction that's no it's not and it's and it's and it's very sudden but in, in a good way in a cute way like like you guys said it's her costume looks wonderful she looks great in it you know it's it's quirky it's goofy it's right out of family matters you know what i mean it's just it's got yeah. that that you know 80s 90s vibe for sure so if that's what they're looking for and that's that's exactly what they got and it's a great introduction to the tone of the film
0: for sure absolutely and i think you know we we do have to put that filter through about like because you you are not the cute guy but that's true but i i respect i respect i've got a voice for radio thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) but i mean honestly the thing i love about it is really what they kind of set out to do with the film is that this is going to be a big tonal shift This is a new direction for Diana Uh, they made a huge Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot both made a big uh, point of letting people know like hey no sword and shield this time around it's going to be just lasso stuff it's going to be her like really diving into her superpowers and that had a lot of pushback initially because people love that like warrior aspect of her and I admit like I do too I love the aspect that, like, out of the Trinity, trademark, copyright, TM, um, <laughs> she is the one out of the three that, like, I, I, I love, there's this conversation, they ha- I, this a complete sidebar, but there's an event called Infinite Crisis, where um, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are having this argument, and Wonder Woman, like, looks at both of them, and she's like, do you want to know the reason why I don't have a rogues gallery like you guys do? Because when I stop my villains, I stop them. Like implying like, <laughs> yeah, she she kills people. Like mm-hmm. she, if they deserve it, she will kill them. And she's uh-huh. the only one of those three who really steps over that line. So I do enjoy that aspect of the character, but I have to applaud them trying to go a new direction and be like, no, like we are not going with, you know, God of War uh, Diana here. We're trying to make her compassionate. And mm-hmm. I <laughs> and I know that um, again, that's I think there is a happy medium. I think now that we've seen kind of both extremes of it, there is a happy medium to find. But I really, I just, I love the cheesiness of this, you know, when she slides the little girl and she like bumps up against a giant teddy bear and like she gives that like wink and they give a wink back. Like it's dumb. I get it. But it's, it's I love it. But this also kind of dives into following this sequence kind of the passage of time which i really dig this sequence where it's showing that time has passed you know we get shots of inside of her apartment which is ridiculous like a ridiculously gorgeous apartment of course um Like, I don't know if you could afford that on like a museum curators <laughs> salary, but whatever i I don't work in yeah. a museum. I don't know. but, um, what I really like about that scene is the pictures. We see pictures of the people who were important to her in the first film showing them at, you know, weddings as they're growing older. There's a great shot of her with old Edda Candy standing outside of the Statue of Liberty. Like it really like the subtlety there is something that I think we need to like spotlight because this film isn't subtle. And the times that it is subtle should be applauded because like that's telling your story without kind of like beating you over the head with it, which this film does unfortunately do a lot and no more so Uh, than with Kristen Wiig, our cheetah who is both the primary and I would say the secondary antagonist, And I guess like just kind of a supporting character. But Kristen Wiig, when she was cast for this role, a lot of people were, I think, reasonably surprised. Because when you think about... Uh, cheetah as a character a long time you think you know kind of femme fatale you think some someone along the lines of you know we brought up trinity that i trademarked earlier uh Tr- trinity from the matrix like that kind of like feel that kind of vibe this kind of like kick-ass like um this kind of kick-ass femme fatale who really uh exudes confidence and Kristen wig god bless her she's a f- really funny actress like that's not who I would cast as a femme fatale Mm -hmm. character and to their credit, I think they do a lot to try and sell her as the film goes on as growing into that femme fatale character. And while I think it is a good, a good performance just of what she's given, it's a very overly familiar trope. We've seen this before. We've seen this in many Superhero movies before. We've seen this with the Jim Carrey Riddler from Batman Forever. We saw this with Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2. These are, you know, the nerdy characters who worship the hero, get burned by them, and end up like becoming the villain. What
2: did you guys think of Kristen Wig as cheetah? I'll start with Chris first. Well, not knowing any of that. And again, this is this is why I think that this Trinity. Uh, I'm gonna rip off Erica real whoa, quick. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's gonna, that, that's gonna be that's gonna
0: be 500 bucks, and I'll be that, that's expecting gonna be that in the mail.
2: Right, the no, fifth. Um, <laughs> not knowing anything about Cheetah, and uh, again, the source material. Watching the film, because I felt the same way you did. Kristen Wiig's casting, she's a wonderful actress. I think we all, I, I watch her in Bridesmaids. She's wonderful, even in Adventureland. She just has that dry anchor man, too. She's just dry, and it's just it works. It's so good. For, i was i didn't know what to expect but i will say she is one of the two best things for me spoiler alert in this film and again i don't i didn't carry that 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 knowledge of the source material so just watching her and, you, and you, i'm not to you're right eric the, the the trope where the nerdy person is scorned and they come back with a vengeance and this might be a little shakespearean um that's everywhere in the in these it's types of films yeah right god forbid (laughs) hell hath no fury um but at the same time watching her evolution that was more interesting to me than watching gal gadot's character which we we know how i feel about gal gadot and i'm going to bring it up again um not right now but later um But watching Kristen Wiig in the film was it was fun. It was entertaining to me. That was one of, again, the two best parts, in my opinion, of the film. And, you know, we do get to see her be weird and goofy. And again, this isn't groundbreaking new cinema in storytelling for sure. But when she changes, when she gets on the dress the first time and she gets the heels and then Pedro Pascal is wooing her, although, you know, it's by his own design. It's just it's it's an interesting 180, and then to see what she does to the guy who tries to grope her, which felt very much of like the first time it was very me too ish. It was very this is you know something that's going on and very relevant now to women, and so they kind of feel victimized. They are victimized, and then when you can come when you can come back and exact some sort of revenge, you kind of root for that. It's like hey, good for you. Good, you've been shit on your entire life. It's okay to root for this person because in a lot of ways they're they're the underdog, and now. You just kind of see it, but but I, roundabout answer to your question. I really enjoyed enjoyed watching Kristen Wiig play Cheetah throughout the film. But again, that's me watching the actress play a role in the film, not not the source material being embodied by this actress in this film. For sure. Well, and I think
0: honestly, I think you brought up a really good point because like the scene where she's got you know she's got the powers, she runs into that guy who tried to like assault her earlier yeah. in the film and she is just kicking him down the street comically like like after like the second yeah. kick i'm like he's dead like yeah. the way that you're battering <laughs> like this but it was one of those things where it's like this is narratively supposed to be like her you know turning to the dark side but it's one of those things where I'm looking at this and I'm like, am I supposed to feel sorry for the guy that she's beating up? Because I don't. Right. Like she is well within her rights to do all this stuff. I'm rooting for her to kick his ass more. Yeah. <laughs> but like, why are we like, is that supposed to be the framing of this? Andrew, what That's do you a good think point. about? Yeah. What good do you point. think about that? Um, I guess that journey, the way that she kind of like her character development and what you thought of her character as a whole.
1: Hollow. Just completely hollow. Like, I was not impressed with how Cheetah was handled in this movie whatsoever. And big, honest to God, real like trauma that people go through. You're gonna throw this in in such a like. This was such like a terrible version of Catwoman that we got from Michael Keaton's. Uh, oh Batman. my God! So it is
0: also away. Michael Keaton's Batman and also Halle Berry's Catwoman. Exactly. it's the exact same character <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely it's the right same
1: character like it's the same Catwoman character over and over and over again and like how dare you do this to cheetah like come on like an actual original character that you can do six different ways than the same one that we've seen over and over again in plenty of different movies that we're gonna see over and over again because for some reason we keep loving this trope of the nerd who gets scorned by the hero, that you only get introduced into the one movie and have no ties to, have no relations to, and have to cram in a bunch of emotion and a bunch of feeling for. And when you actually bring in some, try to throw in some real life trauma to them, is so mishandled and so like, like it's, I completely agree that I was, I had no idea of just like how you're framing this and how it's kind of like actually like set up shot wise, I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for in this scene, and that's damaging and that's confusing. Is she the good guy? Is she sort of a, a, sort of a Kira kind of slash um, like whatever that uh, different conversation, different movie, like another superpower or movie? But, uh It was it, no, it was like Carrie for boys is how it was described. It was the. Hey. max landis movie but like that's even a dirty that's even a dirty name to say i apologize for that um <laughs> but like it 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 just didn't like through and through like i was watching just like why are you here Like, I have no emotional ties to you. I don't know what you're doing to help the plot. It just feels like you're an add-on and like, oh, we have to get a Wonder Woman villain in and everyone's gonna bitch if we don't put Cheetah in this. So we'll put Cheetah in this. It's fucking Venom. It's Venom all over again. It's Venom (laughs) in Spider-Man 3. God, they didn't have a good Cheetah movie so they crammed her in for something. Maybe I'm wrong. Hey, you know what? Topher
0: Grace would have been a great Cheetah. (laughs) really sold this i
1: think you know what i think you're honest to god right
0: (laughs) (laughs) no but you you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna give chris and maybe possibly our listeners as well some context when it comes to um the cheetah character in specifically my favorite version of the character is uh, from the rebirth comic starting in 2016 where essentially barbara ann minerva was indiana jones she was Lara croft she was like the person traveling around the world like getting into like ruins and like grabbing artifacts and like that's how she ran across diana for the first time and she's like a badass and she happens Mm -hmm. to get like she finds this cat statue or yeah something like that and she gets cursed by it and you know shenanigans ensue from there but like i feel like you could have taken a character like that and really i mean it's the eighties and it's nostalgia. Like you could have leaned into like the Indiana Jones of it all um, and really like made that the character. And I think that would have worked. But the, again, like, just like Andrew said, like kind of cramming her in and giving her an overly familiar trope that we have seen so many times. um, It's, it, it it really does make her feel kind of um, not essential again, just like the first, uh, just like the first scene it does it makes it feel like it was kind of tacked on well
2: mm-hmm. now well, that i know that eric that makes that sours is what i saw because that you're right that would have been awesome with with that awesome. you could have done a whole lot more than what they like, gave her so I, not knowing that changes a lot for me now so yeah that's that's wild that they would have not have chosen that's crazy and i you know i cut you off and i, I didn't mean to i promise but but it's interesting that, that again, I, I go back on, and we talked about how we feel about this and, and there needs to be kind of, there needs to be some type of umbrella. And at the tip of the umbrella, they have to kind of oversee these films. And I wonder if Patty Jenkins maybe wanted to make a female driven superhero movie. And I'm not saying she didn't do that, but like there could have been more nuanced layered into those superheroes there. there You could have, you could have done it differently. And I, and I wonder if maybe she just didn't have the people on staff to do that maybe just didn't... I can't imagine her not wanting to make a really good film, but but oh, it, it would be interesting why that happened. I didn't want to cut you off, but I found that very interesting that you said that because that changes the Cheetah character a big time for me now. So so thank you for that. I did not know that.
0: For sure. And I mean, it's, it's really... Uh, I mean, we we could probably talk for the next like half hour about like the failures of some of the like when it comes to like the cheetah character, but uh, I'm going to move on to our other our I would say kind of our primary antagonist slash secondary uh, protagonist, and that's Maxwell Lord played by Pedro Pascal. And I'm just going to say it because I know that I'm probably going to be in the minority of it. I loved this character. Okay. (laughs) I am a big Maxwell Lord fan. I am a big Pedro Pascal fan. And the fact that they decided to take this character and just like um, in the uh, mall sequence where they were very specifically like pulling stuff from that Richard Donner Superman era he is straight up like Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor, but with like wish-granting powers. And I love the shit <laughs> out of that. Like, I again, I know it's dumb, but I, I thought it was very interesting, the tweaks that they did with this character. Because, again, for context, in the comics, uh, Maxwell Lord doesn't have this kind of like wish-granting powers. He just has telepathy and he can mind control people. That's like it. That's, and it can be, you know, manipulated in a way that, I mean, at one point he took control of Superman and like pitted him against the Justice League. Like it's, he can be a very cool villain. And I think what they decided to kind of do with him, the amount of focus they put on him almost makes me feel like he was the main character of the film because he gets arguably the most screen time and he gets a full and, I mean... We can argue semantics complete uh, character arc from point A to point B, and I just I I really I think it's interesting that they decided to go with the uh, wish granting and equivalent exchange uh, route with him because it does give some some. I would say gravitas and some weight to his powers and his effect on Diana specifically. Um, Andrew, as someone who is also familiar with the character from the comics, how did you feel about the portrayal? How did
1: you feel about Maxwell Lord? Um, God, like I couldn't stand the wish stone. Like, Anytime you give me, like, a magical yeah. wish in a movie, I'm instantly just, like, I am out. Like, I have It's not, cheap. <laughs> it feels
2: serious. so like, cheap. So yeah. cheap. I, I agree, it, Andrew. Yeah. I, I,
1: and, like, when, like, specifically your power is just, like, oh, I wish it and it happens. I can't stand it. I like the whole, like, this is a greedy business 80s guy. And Pedro Pascal, like, did that trope, like, yeah. perfectly like yeah. he is he is making the scene a fine course he is like chewing the scenery full like a beautiful steak like yeah. he is doing the right amount of like cheese in this performance and like <laughs> at times like actually having weight to it like i couldn't stand the sun aspects cuz i'm sick and tired of the oh our <laughs> villain has to be relatable oh my god what if it's like some serious drama that our bad guy is re- actual issues oh no he's just the environmentalist oh no he's just a dad who's misunderstood oh my god fucking suck my dick fucking give us a fucking Darth vader bad <laughs> oh guy god. i don't fucking care <laughs> like i'm sick and tired of this trope i'm sick and tired of like this fucking like idea that we have to have like relatable bad guys just give me a fucking bad guy i don't care or but like it's a mixed bag like I had fun I agree with where I was just like man Pedro Pascal's getting a way bunch way more time in this movie than I thought he was <laughs> like what the fuck was Gal Gadot doing during this you keep having a coffee no, break? Th- where you do, they you doing, realized
2: Gal? her acting ta- they realized that the, the, the acting talent oh no <laughs> in comparison is th- this someone saw like huh hmm, maybe we should put okay. the real actors on camera Would-
1: uh, when, when we get to the when we get to that fucking jet scene, or am I gonna go on a tangent about acting? I <laughs> just right. I really want to
0: talk about that jet
1: scene, but we're gonna but, get. to it. Um, I hope Eric, you bleep me out like full on. I hope you like just full censor me out right? I think that'd be hilarious. Um, but bringing back to my point, I I don't know this this character was fun, but at the same time, I was just like, but there's no. There's no weight to you. Like, and I don't like any of these tropes that I keep seeing in so many other movies. In so many, like, that's the thing is I saw so many other movie tropes I got sick and tired of in a Wonder Woman movie that the first go round actually tried to take itself seriously. And like, yeah, I don't know, mixed bag, as this movie is for me. Chris,
2: yeah, thanks. <laughs> Tap ta- tag me in. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Um so, so, and I, and I just really quick, the last thing that, 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 uh, Andrew said was that it, the first one took itself seriously and it did. I mean, I, and I think that for me, 1980 or Wonder Woman 84 really suffers from that. I think that it doesn't take itself real seriously. And, um, but, but Pedro Pascal for me was the best part of this movie. Like hands Agreed. down him and Kristen Wiig when they were on and not even the same time, just, they were just more interesting, even more than, you know, we're going to get to Chris Pine and Gal Gadot's relationship and chemistry, which is a whole nother cluster. Fuck Absolutely. is a whole, but I liked him. I, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, Eric. I believe that his character had the biggest arc very round where he comes out as a selfish dude. And at the end, my favorite part of the entire movie as at the end when he's talking to his kid like that to me I'm like man I wish you know it's it's christmas I, it's like this could be a great fathers day this this part of it so wait a second wait a second I hold think... on
0: hold on chris you liked something in relation to i know christmas? i know wait a I second know. <laughs> it, it, it,
2: i know for what for, <laughs> for for the most part i will say the kid felt a little annoyed i get it like like that sure. part yes but at the very end when it kind of when it wrapped up when they put the bow on it when you know, Max had lost all of his powers and he's just this man. And in, 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 well, he's just this, this dad. And so, you know, I thought that was good. And I, man, Pedro Pascal's killing it. Like for sure. He's, he, is. he yeah. he's, he's killing him with the cheese. He's dramatic when he has to meet. I couldn't agree more about the device with any, anything wish mastery. Mm-hmm. I lose it. Like to me, the film loses and specifically the writer and director. And, and, and in this case, it's both of them because the writer for writing this shit feels lazy. And the director for not telling the writer change this shit feels, you know, complicit in the act. This needed to be changed. And I, and I hated that. And to me, that is my, one of my biggest gripes for it. It's cheap. And I, and, and, and for a movie that, that ran for two and a half hours and a budget that exceeded $200 million to land on this I I don't, I don't see it. And with, with Patty Jenkins, who, who I think was, was, she's hot, man. She's, she's doing rogue squadron um, in two years, I think. So we can talk about that later, but, but she's hot. And for her to make this or for her to allow this to happen on her watch, it's a big fuck up. There's no other way to say it, in my opinion, but I love Pedro. Pedro was awesome. He, he was my favorite thing about this movie. Hands for down. sure, for sure. And I think when it comes to
0: like the the wish granting stuff, I definitely agree. I do think making it like a monkey's paw, like you have to give something up, allowed them to have a little bit of wiggle room. But I, I sure absolutely would have been okay with them just giving him his mind control powers. Cause that's same. You you can work with that. Um, and I, I will say I disagree about the kids' stuff. Um, and maybe it's because I saw that little bull cut Asian boy and I saw myself as a child. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I relate that stuff. And like, like you said, the final scene with the, yeah, it was good. Kid, like I, I got a little choked up and that might be me too. You know, me bringing my own baggage to it or whatever. But like, I thought it was again, a great scene to close out his story to yeah. close out Maxwell Lord's arc for the whole thing but we've alluded to it you guys mentioned it each on your own uh steve trevor steve trevor is back for this film chris pine and all of the charm that he can fit into his little pinky finger uh, which was which isn't his
2: pinky finger by the way it's it, yeah uh. we and we can
0: talk about that um i will say and i'm just gonna say my piece because i know andrew has a lot to say about this um i i I can't deny the chemistry between Chris Pine and Gal Gadot, regardless of what you think about like them narratively or them in their acting. I still think they've got fire chemistry. Like they still, every scene that they are in, regardless of whether it's written well or like serves the plot, they, you can't take your eyes off them. Um, But that being said, I do think, in my humble opinion, that Steve Trevor, as a character, as a plot point, as a concept in this film, was objectively unnecessary for the plot. Again, if you take him out of the film, it doesn't make the film worse i know we will miss that charm we will miss that like hey you know that dynamic between the two of them but taking him out of the film would have given more time for cheetah to develop would have given us more pedro pascal because they've got him for days and maybe would have given us more of that silent and contemplative diana who's feeling lonely and kind of left behind in the world i know we're in for a hurricane when it comes to Andrew, so I'm going to go to Chris first. How did you feel about Steve Trevor and Chris Pine in this film?
2: Well, let me. Let, I, I, I I too I feel like I'm going to be in a hurricane Andrew side on that one. But, but before I want to ask you, how do you think they handled the the introduction of his character? Because everybody we saw him in the trailer. Probably. Everybody knew Chris Pine was going to be it, and and he died clearly in right. World War One. So so how do you feel that they handled? the introduction of him into the film so i remember distinctly having a
0: conversation it might have been with andrew about when we heard that oh you know they're getting a sequel um it's going to be set in 1984 because this film we've been waiting for this film for like two years it's been ready for two years to come out yeah um but uh chris pine's coming back and we knew he was coming back we didn't know but i kind of pitched this idea where i was like you know it'd be really cool And it'd be bogus and no one would get behind it. But what if this was Martian Manhunter? And I distinctly remember having this conversation. It was either with you or Jacob, Andrew, um, where I was like, he is, he, you know, Steve is, you know, we could say was technically, you know, missing in action. Uh, Martian Manhunter comes down and like, we still get that kind of fish out of water. Like Diana's introducing him to the world, but like he just happened to pick this face and like, whatever, Um, And I would have been okay with that. I I would have really liked that because I like Martian Manhunter. But the way that they do it here is very problematic. Um, I think if there is a legit wish granting Rock, and she wished for him to come back, then he should just appear. It should just happen. Like he should just be there but the way that they go about it is uh it's super super fucking problematic for a myriad of reasons but
2: no yeah no i hated it like to me it reminded me of and this is going to date myself um the, the movie ghost with uh demi moore Whoopi goldberg and patrick swayze i love there's the a, moments you date yourself oh, yeah, right so there's a point when <laughs> when when Whoopi's channeling patrick swayze and the camera rolls to him and, it, and it's him but it's not him it's her it's the same thing here so so for me every time that that chris pine is in the movie I, I i can't i can't suspend my my mind to the point where it's like oh yeah that's him but it's not you know real quick that it's some other dude and so it's it felt it. I hate. I couldn't get around that. Like I don't know if it's yeah. if it, my mind was too analytical for that part or just wouldn't let me jump past it. It was horrible. And then you know I I like Chris Pine. There's not a movie that Chris Pine has done that I don't like. So I I enjoy watching him act. And um uh, and and you're right. In the first one, him and Gal Gadot's chemistry. And I really think that's why they brought him back. They didn't expect absolutely right. They didn't know that they would hit it off as well as they did. And, and, and like, so
0: fuck, we killed him exactly
2: right. <laughs> just, we how do we bring him back? Fucking wishing stone. That's how. God damn it. But um, but to me, I I just I didn't I didn't I didn't feel it on this one. Yeah, they're good and they have some really, really cool one liners. These parachute pants is—is is everybody parachuting now? Like, <laughs> yeah, I yes, did like that. Right, there are some good one liners there, but. When they're together, like, I don't know, I think not to piggyback off your point, but to see little tidbits of what, how she's had to, how Dinah's had to adapt to the world without Steve would have been more heartfelt than, you know, throw some flashbacks in there. I don't know, but this, I, I I didn't like it. And there's no, and I didn't like a lot of it. It wasn't even to the point when there wasn't a point when they were together. I thought, oh, that's cute. It, it never came across like that for me it always was it all, it was always creepy and uncomfortable and, and and again I go back to the writing it's like how this is what we landed on yeah. 200 million dollars obviously 3 years in pre-production and we just we're we we're we're, have a hot writing team a director they can pick anybody they want to be on their staff and and this is where we're at and it just it seems to me like again to steal your words it was a myriad of failures at least in my opinion for sure andrew <laughs> lay it on his hurricane cat five coming in Um, (laughs) f5 coming through
1: uh (laughs) fuck man like fuck you know what it is steve trevor in this movie perfectly symbolizes everything that i cannot stand about wonder woman in that she is not allowed to grow in any of these movies outside of her first movie she's a museum curator and i can understand why people will like that why people think it's a cute uh job i think it literally holds her character back to say that all she can do is live in the past. She only lives in the past. She likes it there in the past. She feels more comfortable in the past. She doesn't want to deal with today's problems. She doesn't want to deal with today's issues. She doesn't want to move on. Wonder Woman doesn't need to move on because she's Wonder Woman and she can do anything because she's special. She's perfect. Look in the past. She was so great in the past, how she is now. And what's she doing now? She's doing jack shit because she continues to live in the past and nothing changes we saw this and we saw this this same problem in two movies in justice league and now in wonder woman 1984 and it's the same issue chris pine is as charming as all hell as he is in every single movie and the man's gorgeous as 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 all shit as he is in every movie and he continues to get gorgeous like a fine wine he (laughs) He does he truly does uh, And I keep looking at those bright blue eyes and I'm just like, God damn it. You're like Paul Newman. He has wonderful eyes. He does have
2: wonderful eyes.
1: Like he's gorgeous. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's just not okay. Like I will see Chris Pine in any movie you give me with, cause he's also a great actor. Like yeah. I've mm-hmm. seen Chris Pine and he's honest to God, make me cry and I miss good Chris Pine work. Cause I'm not seeing it here. I'm seeing just Steve Trevor for the umpteenth thousandth time because we can't write her a new character that challenges her. We can't push boundaries with Wonder Woman. We have to do the same cutesy shtick because this movie is cutesy shtick. And we can't be anything better than this cutie shtick. And like that's that's it.
2: Hey, I, I have a question uh, for the source material, guys. Has Steve Trevor been her only love interest in the no, comics? No. So she has but in, she's in comics move past him then.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's it kind of it varies because they like to play a, a lot with like timelines because uh-huh. they will Absolutely make it just like, oh, he's like a CIA agent in the present and like they meet like cause oh, I of see. comic books timing, you know, sliding scale. But I really like the idea of him being like a World War One, World War Two fling and like she like carries that with her. And to your point, Andrew, I think that her being a museum curator works really well at the beginning of an arc. I think mm-hmm. if that's where she starts and like she eventually like she leaves the job at the end when she's ready to approach, because I agree, like keeping her there and keeping her like, oh, you know, the present sucks, like, mm-hmm. you know, the past is so much better. And it's like you're Wonder Woman, change
2: it like it's exactly. it's one of those things. So I absolutely agree Like hey, where you're coming like, from. Real quick. Th- that's a great metaphor. I love that, too. I and mean, you make a great point about the metaphor. It's funny, though. Again, it's going to be impossible to not draw comparisons to Marvel films. The first Avenger. Yeah. When, when the, in the, in the, in the, in the post credit scene, the best, right. So they, he did exactly what you said that, that they chose to do that and look how successful that was, yeah. you know I mean? They, they did exactly mm-hmm. what you said. They, they kept him in them and it's like, Oh, but no, really, this is what's out there. And then there's a whole world out there. So no, I think that some people do it better than others. And and I think that wonder, what anyway, I don't want to cut and- you off after I'm sorry.
1: Well, no, and like, I'm just agreeing with Eric and like Injustice League, like that first one time movie, I was like, all right, I will accept this because like you're, you're gearing up to be Wonder Woman and you're getting out of this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then she's doing it in the '80s, and I'm just like, "Have you been doing this shit for 90 years, and no fuck, one's noticed?" Right? <laughs> fuck you, lady! You can fucking fly, and you're doing, and you're fucking dusting some fucking bases. Oh, fuck this! I'm out. 90 years of this bullshit.
0: I'm gonna have to throw up a parental advisory for this episode, I'm but sorry, I'm gonna, but is. but but I'm gonna bleep out all of the normal words that Where Andrew says. <laughs> So you're just gonna hear beep 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 fuck beep beep beep. <laughs> no, but oh, I, I absolutely agree with you guys. I think that you know bringing Steve back didn't do anything for the plot. It regressed it. And um honestly, like it's it's frustrating when you think about all of the narrative potential of that. I mean, if they wanted to, they could go with like her and and I'm not advocating this in whatever realm, but like they could have had, uh her and cheetah be a romantic like thing that could have happened like what's that have been really progressive yeah and they had options they had options yeah and they didn't choose to do them however uh some things i do want to say uh positively because i do think there are positives with the film i really dug the comics callbacks in this and there are lots uh the ones that i do want to bring uh attention to simon stagg is the business is the businessman who uh maxwell lord kind of gets it's his first victim who he takes all of his shares from simon stagg is a very famous um uh businessman in gotham in the comics and he's a rival to bruce wayne at different time oh, no he's shit. like old money so no, it's like cool. so i really like that uh Bialia being like mm-hmm. the kind of middle eastern um uh, kingdom that they go to is in the comics as well mm-hmm. and it has a lot of ties to like uh its sister nation condoc, which has ties to black adam so there's a lot of like really cool stuff like that i also really like that it's really like um minimal uh the nosebleeds that maxwell lord would get when like he would cons he would like progressively get worse and worse and worse off Like as Mm. he used the wishing stone. But like in the comics, whenever he'd use his mind control, he would get a nosebleed. So again, like little stuff, subtleties that the film doesn't like to like play with. But I do have some favorite scenes. I do have some favorite things that I really do like about it. Uh, I already talked about the opening. It's wonderful. It's just, it's the right amount of cheese. And it's so like fun. Um, I also really like the scene where she, she learns to fly. Like I am, I am the person where like I flight would be my number one superpower. I know there are lots of better superpowers, but like anytime someone asked me like, what superpower would you have? I'd say flight. And the scene where she is like right after this like emotional goodbye she has with Steve Trevor, which again, we all have varying uh reactions to i think her learning to fly her just kind of sailing in the air like learning that she can do this i think it's magical and it really like that captures the spirit that i think they were going for and didn't quite hit for the rest of the film um i also and it's again it's dumb but i really liked that mid-credits scene with linda carter it makes no sense But I absolutely love it. I love everything about it. It's dumb. It's comic booky. but I really enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Andrew, are there any positives, any things that you enjoyed from the film?
1: Um, the use of color, the yeah. uh, action sequences, even with like at the end, like fight with Cheetah and mm-hmm. the golden armor while like it wasn't my favorite it was a lot better than some other comic book fight scenes that i've seen agreed the use of action like patty jenkins continues to be spectacular with like the overall feeling that i got from this movie and why i don't completely hate it and completely write it off as one of the worst is that this felt like like a love letter to the 1970s wonder woman and mm-hmm. like it felt like a fan, and like a like someone who grew up watching that show, wrote this movie around that. And I and I have to go. All right, that's you turned your woman Wonder Woman into this Wonder Woman, and I can't like I can't blame you on that because you did your Wonder Woman. And so I commend Patty Jenkins for taking both the reins of the writer and the director. That's a hard job. And while there are plenty of like points that I think misfired, I think overall this movie is very cute. It doesn't do any harm it doesn't have anything negative it kind of tries to talk about some real things it does it poorly but at the same time it's whimsical i always love whimsy if you do whimsy Agreed. with some yeah. roundness and some seriousness then i will be full on into the whimsy and that's all i got for sure
2: chris no that that's actually a wonderful point um it does feel whimsical it does feel you know there there's there's a, a a tone of happiness throughout most of it and an adventure and it's again very different than than the first wonder woman and i really feel like that is working against it or worked against it cuz of how different this one is but you're right man the use of color was really cool the the i, I felt like i was in the 80s the clothes the music mm-hmm. you know i i thought it was i thought it was uh was uh, um transformative um i i, I love kristen wig though i love kristen wig and i loved pedro pascal and i would watch it again for those two people you know i think that they did a really cool job with their characters they were fun they were interesting and um you know I, pedro Pascal's a star man like when i sure. when you know i've seen not a couple episodes of and, and, and he's good in that and he's good he's in so, so much right so and in, in, to see him be kind of goofy and aloof and have and have his part in this he to me was the best part of him and i will agree with you too andrew the fight scene is 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 probably one of the better ones we uh, the three of us have talked about in length that dc really kind of flames out in their fight scenes the first mm-hmm. wonder woman that wasn't so a great cool. that was that but the fight yeah, scene at, at the, the end, end wasn't and yeah. so yeah. this fight scene i think that there was it was i think it was solid mm-hmm. and I will say um, you brought up a point when we first started, Eric, about how a Wonder Woman like takes out some of the enemies. It kind of felt like she was going to do that to Cheetah. It kind of felt like the, a, a switch was flipped on her. It's like, Hey, it's going to be me or you. And it felt like she made that choice. And and, and I thought that that was going to happen. Although um, I didn't know that there would be a, a, a third movie coming out, which I think they have announced, but you know, but you know, there there are things to like about this movie. It's definitely not, Suicide Squad bad for sure but it's not you know we will we'll go through our rankings but it, it, it it's not it's not terrible right it's, it's not, not terrible man
0: first of all how dare you
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: This movie
1: doesn't have any
0: Captain Boomerang Captain
1: Boomerang so that is <laughs> immediately oh, against God. it <laughs> If the Suicide Squad doesn't kill J- doesn't kill off Jai Courtney, I'm like... You're going to eat your I'm throwing We're saying
0: this right now. I'm, throw, He's I'm throwing a fit.
1: Like <laughs> it, if he dies, I'm calling you. Like If it's midnight, I'm fucking calling you just to hear just to hear me laugh.
0: We'll make it a three-way call. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll, just do a, we'll just do a full fucking recording. We'll get on mic and we'll just like... Um, No, but I I agree with all you guys. Like it's it's very much a mixed bag, which is unfortunate because I think they really, they had a lot of good groundwork with Mm -hmm. the first film and a lot of goodwill with that first film. And they more or less kind of squandered it. I think they could have just rolled with one villain. I don't think they needed both Maxwell Lord and Cheetah. I think if they focused on one or the other, they would have made a much more focused narrative. Um, I also, I have to kind of disagree about the music. I thought the, it, it needed more 80s riffs. Like we got maybe one <laughs> or two. And I, oh, I wanted I lots, I wanted lots of them. Um, and this was also kind of notable because I, I wasn't in love with the score, which I thought was odd because I really loved the first movie score. Yeah, uh, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer came for this film. And I was kind of surprised because it's not like, I don't know, it, it just didn't feel... Like what Rupert Gregson Williams had put together for the first film, but Mm -hmm. right, um, but yeah. Overall, I think that again, just like Andrew said, like it's not offensive. You know, we talk we've talked about in previous. (laughs) It's not Justice League, like, and we can all take solace in that, Um, and we still people muddy the waters and say that movie never happened. And now it's just the Snyder cut. But the film overall has tons, just like the first film has tons of heart and sincerity. Like is it mm-hmm. is trying to say something and it is trying mm-hmm. to be sincere about going about it. Um, it does feel very comic booky, like more than I'm used to in a comic book film. Like this feels like, an, like a two part episode of the animated series it feels like something that you would see in one of those more like, um, more kid-friendly uh, cartoons or TV shows or anything. And I think Andrew hit the nail on the head. Like it, it feels like an ode to that Linda Carter era of Wonder Woman, and I I adore that version. Mm-hmm. So I i do think that there is merit and apparently other people thought so too because it is currently looking at an award right now (laughs) um we're we're still fairly early on um awards are still going out so i'm holding out for a a best supporting actor nom for pedro Pascal for this film i tried to (laughs) say that i I tried to say that with a straight face it was bad (laughs) Um, But it is currently shortlisted for uh, the SAG Awards for Outstanding Performance by a Stunt Ensemble in a Motion Picture, which I think, as we've talked Mm -hmm. about, absolutely deserving of with the fight scenes, choreography, the Mm -hmm. visual effects and stuff like that. Also, I want to make a quick addendum to our Birds of Prey episode with their awards, because when we recorded that, uh, we hadn't. We hadn't had enough time for it to get nominated for anything. I'm just gonna quickly rattle these off because it's been nominated and won some stuff. So um it birds of Birds of Prey uh won the Hollywood Critics Association midseason award for Best Supporting Actor for uh Ewan McGregor and Best Female Director for Kathy Yam. Uh it won Top Soundtrack at the American Musical <laughs> Awards. It <laughs> it won Best. A- Deservedly so I love that soundtrack Uh, It won best action movie Of 2020 at the IGN awards It won best (laughs) I know it won best actor And actress in a superhero movie For both Ewan McGregor and Margot Robbie At the Critics Choice Super Awards And currently It is shortlisted for two Oscars Yeah. Makeup and hairstyling And visual effects categories So I think the secret sauce for DC. See films winning oscars might just be margot roby
2: yeah it's true it, this,
1: it, it suicide knows? squad same same two categories same i'm just
0: saying i don't know
1: but yeah. Um, but yeah so that wraps up um
0: awards and we now get to one of my favorite segments one of arguably i think the most innovative segments. No one's done this on a podcast before and no one should attempt it because we really we've nailed it. We've knocked it out of the park. And that's Chris's numbers quarter.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, the tale of the account, not the tape in this one is um is it's and it's a mixed bag, right? Because I obviously it, Wonder Woman was supposed to come out when Eric? It was in was it May. Dude, it, it was on. Uh, it was supposed to come back, come out in like 2018.
0: Like it was no when it was going in 2018, and wow. they kept like. Then it was like um, 2019, and then they like uh, fall of 2019, and then they pushed it back to 2020 for like uh, yeah. May, and then it got pushed back from May to August. It was actually supposed to come out on my birthday. Um, no. It then got pushed back to September. And then it got pushed back to November. And then it yeah. finally settled on Christmas Day of 2020.
2: Yeah. And so um, obviously there's, there's, with the success that Wonder Woman had, it was going to get a healthy budget and it did. It was a $200 million budget, which, I mean, it's that's it, 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 when it was supposed to do that it was supposed to be yeah. their flagpole um their tentpole film and 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 with with the steam coming off of wonder woman it should have been and i think everybody at some point had decided that wonder woman was going to carry the flag for the dcu and not you know i think superman or batman right. um but unfortunately uh for a whole shit ton of reasons um covet happened and that forced a lot of the films to be released digitally which which caused wonder woman which the caveat is this right so hbo you could see it on christmas day or you could go to the theaters it was simultaneous release right and so um uh, quite a few people went to the theaters and saw it and made 16.7 million on opening weekend which i mean i think it only ran in 2500 theaters and i know here in california it it wasn't in la i mean you had to go out maybe in orange county you had to go see it but but um Orange County just lives on another reality right, apparently. these motherfuckers <laughs> don't care they're like Talkers. we're going to go to the beach no matter what um and and worldwide the total right now is at 154 million dollars so it's Jeez. sitting under yeah 50 million under its budget plus that's not accounting advertising so we can add another 100 to that so let's call it 300 million dollar budget with 154 million dollar return right now
0: yeah and we've talked so, about in previous episodes that like successful films they double the budget and, right like, to break even and right. like anything after that is gravy but like that's not great yeah. but i think it, it does you know covid does play a factor in it i mean it's sure if, as we're recording it it's still in theaters right now but like it's already like getting set for a home release and i think that's where they're really going to rake in the money is home release if you know it doesn't come to hbo max for a while because they simulcast it basically in theaters and on in simulcast it they we get what, what you Yeah. But yeah, That's okay. it was on HBO Max and in theaters. Um but I think, you know, there is a there is something to be said about, you know, the streaming um the streaming model. Because as we know, Warner Brothers, all of their films in the year of 2021 are going to be uh, simultaneous releases on HBO Max and yeah. in theaters, which caught a lot of filmmakers off guard. Like yeah. Christopher Nolan is saying, like he's he's oh, probably not going to work with Warner Brothers again because of it, but like. <sighs> this might be like the way of the future when it comes to release when it comes, especially these big, you know, like you said, these, these flagpole uh, blockbusters. Yeah. But uh, Mm -hmm. what do you, as a filmmaker, Chris, how do you specifically
2: feel about that model and how it's kind of going to be changing the face of the industry? It's, it's interesting, you know, I'm glad you asked. And I think that, and, and, and for people that don't know the three of us are all involved in film whether yeah. it's acting, writing, directing, we're, we're, I mean, we've we're all kind of in that arena, and I think um, it's going to obviously things are going to change, and I think they're going to change in a way that we're going to see that business model be more adapted, and and for a couple of reasons, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle on here for 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 a second. Go for it. It's your the biggest thing is it it had to be successful, right? And Wonder Woman was successful, in, 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 in a way where where Warner's can say, hey, we can make some of our money back because right now. If nothing is released, you're not going to see any return. These movies are printed, pressed, ready to be run for whatever, for wherever they can be ran. So they're just sitting there and, and that money, whether, you know, you're in the, you're in the red and you're probably not going to make all your money back. But if you can make, let's call it half, adjust your business model. And then maybe, you know, the next three years you make that money back, but it but whatever. Here's the biggest thing. Wonder Woman doing mediocrely well, which I kind of, it did well was was a big step for that model because the next month. So, so HBO is putting out, a, I think a feature film every month for the, for the year. So the next month was um, the little things with mm-hmm. uh, Denzel. Denzel. Val- exactly. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if you guys knew uh, again, it's simultaneously released in theaters. That was number one at the box office for two consecutive weeks. Now it didn't make a shit ton of money, but it had that holding power in the box office and also uh, through HBO. This month, I think is Tom and Jerry, but next month is Godzilla. And if anybody doesn't know, Big versus Godzilla's Kong,
1: problem. Godzilla versus we don't, Kong. We that's don't a care. whole. We're not talking about that. Yeah.
2: Okay. Kong. <laughs> yeah <Kong. laughs> Which I would love to Wonka. talk. To you. I can't believe there's no Team Kong here. It's But Kong. but but it's funny because that that's where like the tipping point I believe will be because of the hype because we have we have numbers showing people watching this trailer and, and i'm just going to throw a number out right at you and we talked about this last night andrew and i did um the robert pattinson uh batman trailer that ran during dc fandom i think currently has about i think nine million views or something like that mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. um there was another, the half trailer for no i'm sorry it was tr- right tw- yeah right. it's actually <laughs> <laughs> <take> it <back. laughs> yeah. it's it's 27 million views and then um the Dune with Dune, the film Dune, which is also a, was gonna be a big release this year for Warners in Legendary, was gonna be a it's it's gonna be a big deal. The amount of money in the sci-fi epic that they're gonna put that towards is huge. That's at nine million views. So within the concurrent, the Godzilla trailer, which has only been out for let's call it three weeks now, um, is at 57 million views. Wow. So people are hyped for it, right? So if this thing does really well on HBO Max, and even if it does mediocrely well overseas and worldwide. This business model is, I I really feel like other companies are going to be put on notice, specifically Disney, because Disney has a lot of Eternals in its back pocket. It's got Black Mm -hmm. Widow in its front pocket. You know, Mm -hmm. all they need to do is, we'll put this out. Obviously, it did a trade with Mulan. I think that things are going to change. And I think where it will change Not the best movie to start that model with well exactly <laughs> but i think i wonder how many people did it. and i want to bring in a number here that we talked about before we before we were rolling um i think during godzilla is where we'll know Skull. because <laughs> uh. <laughs> this guy right <laughs> and also i think it's really good that um that because i think wonder woman and uh, and black widow were supposed to come out within a few months of each other mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. black widow will have crushed wonder woman i don't even need to see black widow to know the black widow will have crushed wonder woman cinematically maybe not during some of the the points we made but i think and and of course there is a rivalry there that's their first female led uh, superhero film and and it's marvel okay okay you're right i apologize thank you for correcting me however i believe that that black widow will be more better received than captain marvel but
0: well i agree because i think it's you know people have that connection to that scarlett johansson version of the character so i think mm-hmm. it is true there there is something to say about this is you know the first from that original squad of avengers to get yeah. their big and, you know their big yeah. break essentially
2: and apparently um what's his name uh your boy uh Cap is going to be in a, in a cameo in that too i don't want to ruin it for anybody i've heard but i do want to get to some, some some important points here um there were there were three films that really kind of did the VOD um, streaming services because because that's a model now. You have to obviously sign right. up for your service. You pay your twenty bucks a month. There were three films last year that had the biggest impact in this. Uh, the first one was Hamilton. It drove nine million subscribers to Disney Plus with to, to see Hamilton. That's um, and well then Soul. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's in, and think about how many people couldn't even go see it to get a ticket, and it's been off Broadway mm-hmm. for. I am that person. <laughs> 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 that I'm is trying me. To get
0: trying. That is me. Of course I know him.
2: He's me. <laughs> um Soul was another big one, which if you have you guys seen Soul? Loved Soul. Oh, it was so Loved good. It. It Every so single good. part of it. Me too. It was it, it's good and I don't want there's no pun here intended, but it is good soul food. It is yes, really good food for soul. Um of all those Wonder Woman 1984 generated 40% uh, more ads combined than those other ones. So that's HBO raking in the money on that. In addition to that, in addition, this is important. So from Bloomberg estimated uh, 554,000 people signed up on Christmas Day to HBO Max, assumingly just to watch uh, Wonder. And here's the other thing. That's just on mobile devices. Yeah. phone, tablet. That's not your Roku. That's not your smart TV. That's not Apple TV. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, so right now it's, they're up, uh, HBO max is up 46 and percent on their streaming subscription service from last year.
0: See if, and if you want to make the argument that like it did poorly in the box office, like you just have to look at that number. Cause like exactly. If like you translated that to like box office. That is a ton of money. Yeah. Being so raked in for
2: that studio and for that IP. So yeah. Yeah, that's wild. It'll be interesting to see going forward because normally we look at, you know, box office mojo will tell us, yeah, the take of the box office was was 145 million, and this will tell you whether if it's successful or not. But now you're gonna have two metrics. You're gonna have maybe half that in the box office or two-thirds, and you're gonna have the rest of it being made up on on VOD or through subscription services, which is you know, Netflix doesn't release its um, its numbers, mm-hmm. um, but they'll tell you that uh, six, ugh, I think it's called, whatever one that Ryan Reynolds was in last year, I forget what it's called, uh, Netflix original. I think it's called The Six or Six, something like that. But um, mm. The Old Guard with uh, Charlize Theron and, and uh, Extraction with Chris Hemsworth were the two most streamed movies. Chris's favorite movie. I love Extraction. I'm not, not going to lie. That movie is awesome. All um, he I'm talked really about for like three weeks was like, have you oh, seen Extraction she- yet? Have you seen Extraction well, yet? It's awesome. I well, it it, I mean, if you do watch it, it's, I mean, granted, it's, it's a popcorn flick, but it, but it is good. And it's go- so good that it's getting a sequel. And it, I'm I'm very disappointed that the sequel was supposed to have um, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth going back and forth, but they ended up doing Tom Holland and, and Evans in a new movie by netflix hey. so but the streaming wars it, 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 i mean not that this is any news to either one of us but it is heating up and to a point now where it's kind of netflix has kind of owned that arena um but now with hbo kind of coming and i the I, and it's all, yeah. I only it's only a matter of time before disney Dis, it's it's like um it's like when they when they talked about uh, america entering uh, world war ii it's like <laughs> disney's a sleeping giant you know it's like once disney decides to go all in to disney plus or however they want to do it 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 it'll be it'll be awesome, and for the three of us as actors, writers, and directors, I think that budgets are going to go down. I don't yeah. think you're going to mm-hmm. see a two hundred million dollar budget film when they know for that, sure. right? But I believe that, that that can be beneficial to some newer directors where they're, mm-hmm. a studio, yeah, we'll give them a million yeah. bucks, and right? We we'll put know how to work
0: with exactly. less
2: right we'll put it on searchlight we'll put it on focus pictures and if this movie makes you know blumhouse is great at doing that they made Mm -hmm. halloween for a million dollars it has made almost a hundred i believe it's more than that almost a hundred million worldwide it's it's nothing special it's nothing you know dynamic so i mean look look at the first deadpool tim
0: miller like totally yeah it was it's a great point i don't even know like how much it like was made for but it was cheap in comparison to the cheap. others and like it raked in money
1: yeah. yeah so much money back like fox got a fucking
2: payday out of that movie yeah, big dead. time yeah but it's yeah. interesting shit guys it really it, is. It is
0: it is very mm-hmm. like it's interesting to think about like the future of like where because we might be having this conversation you know for our next geek geeks played series but it'll be like, hey, you know, we're going to do this with the releases as they drop on the streaming services instead of like as they release in theaters. Yeah. So like, who knows what the future is going to hold. But um, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, we're going to talk about our ratings for the film as well as our final thoughts. I am going to kick things off with our resident impassioned Wonder Woman fan. Andrew, what is your arbitrary rating for the film, and uh, any final thoughts on the film itself?
1: Um, I any final thoughts? No, I, I this movie gave me either nothing. This movie gave me nothing that I haven't seen before, and that's unfortunate because when I go to Woman, Wonder Woman, like out of the DC comics and comic book tropes, I can kind of try to find something new right. and. I and again there's a lot of good about this movie great colors a lot of fun a lot of good whimsy a lot of good moments a lot of honest to God heart went into this movie and you can you can feel it it feels like someone's nudging you along going we're having a good time right and it's like yeah we're, we're having point. a good time yeah Um. right or like rating wise I give this a six solid six that six is movie. higher than I thought you were going to give this <laughs> that is I surprising I didn't have a bad time it was all right Five I'm having a bad day,
2: <laughs> Chris, no, I mean, those are good points. And honestly, I'll never forget um, Wonder Woman 84 because of the circumstances surrounding it, like certain That's I, a good it, point it's, you know, for me, mm-hmm. films, I um I used to keep ticket stubs for all the films I went to go see because, of, like, Same. right, because that's like a t- it's a window in time that who you're with and what you went I, to go see. Like, it's, I still it's have n- our ticket stub for the first Avengers movie. I was. I, do you I really still got that around here somewhere too? Yeah. Um, and the Age of Ultron dope. one too. Same. Yeah, that makes me happy. That makes me real happy. And um, I'll never forget it. You know, with, with the circumstances, and it was on Christmas, and I remember. I think that maybe kind of pushes me towards having a uh, having a good time. And, and again, I didn't hate it. I feel like. I'm not better because I saw it, but I'm glad that I saw it. It's that weird middle of the road type of thing. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't change my, my perception of, of Gal Gadot's ability. And I still think that Chris Pine's a wonderful actor. I still, Pedro Pascal in my mind has, has, you know, I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's killing it. And, sure. you know, Kristen and you know, was a pleasant surprise for some of it, you know? And I think that it was a fun experience. I mean, it's Christmas and the, the age of fucking COVID. You know, yes. we got that, would, that. Was that was a really cool thing, and so, you know, it, it was it was okay. And I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm gonna rate it accordingly. I'm gonna follow in Andrew's uh, very capable footsteps. I'm gonna give it six lassos out of ten. Six oh, lassos out of 10. 10. out of ten. Yeah, that's right. It's almost a rodeo. It's almost a rodeo. Almost day. a rodeo, but not, <laughs> that is almost a rodeo. It's almost a rodeo break, <laughs> break in Tucson, but not quite. <laughs> not quite. Oh, that's Right,
0: but I. I echo all the things that you guys are talking about. Like it's, it's a film that, and I, Oh, that is an excellent point, Chris. Like this is, this is a film that I'm going to remember for a long time because of the stuff surrounding it, you know, being Mm -hmm. able to watch, uh, not just a superhero film, but like a blockbuster at home for the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, and seeing, watching it on Christmas, I will never forget that viewing experience because Disney plus was garbage for us that like stopped every like 30 anyway dude us um, too yeah dude, it was awful but it's obviously yeah. because of those like four hundred and fifty thousand people who decided yeah, to sign right. up that day Watch, so yeah i i abs- you know I definitely agree. Um, It is a mixed bag if ever there was one, but it has a lot of heart. It has a lot of soul, not as much as soul, which is a great film you guys should watch, but it really, it really tries to do something. It doesn't accomplish it. You know, most (laughs) of the time there are moments, like I said, the flight scene, the opening cheesy, you know, mall sequence where I think they really hit on something. Um, But I'm hoping that they take the, you know, the feedback that they've gotten from the all of the audiences to this film and they take that into whatever this third film is going to be. And it looks like we are um, dealing with the devil because I am also giving this a six out of 10. (laughs) three sixes Uh, and i want to mark this because this is the first time in the entire series where we have all given a film the exact same rating
1: yeah
0: and it's it's the last you know it's the last one before no that's that's true
2: that's yeah.
1: true. Oh, so I'm telling you right there. Right now, that's getting way <laughs> guys, lower later
2: than a I, I have a question that for, for like source material, guys. So we know we're getting the third one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have no idea who it's going to be. There's no inklings of hiring or writing. Who would you guys both like to see as the big bad? in probably the last it is patty jenkins last go around so assume that it's it's the The, end of the last one that she's like currently signed on for yeah exactly so who would you guys like to see as the big bad um and how would that translate to like time and and and, because you know maybe we're dealing with not 1984 maybe it's god forbid 1990 those are dark times well because i
0: think um i think patty has confirmed that they're not doing any more period stuff that the next one is going to be modern day gotcha just like to Because she said something about like if we went back or if we did anything like before modern day, it would just feel like we're in like a genre or like a trope of like making them all period pieces, which I respect. I would love to see them in their 90s period, but (laughs) I do think it is going to be a modern day film. Um, As to who hmm, who I would have be the villain, Andrew, do you have an idea
1: um i do have an idea it's not a wonder woman villain unfortunately it is uh wonder woman in space aka wonder woman ragnarok aka wonder woman on war world versus mongol
0: yes bitch i would <laughs> love that <laughs> yeah. you fucking okay you know how much i fucking love mongol like, i know dude I me know. and you and me both fucking me love both, mongol <laughs> um Basically, for those who are uninitiated, we'll call them, uh, (laughs) Warworld is essentially this gladiator planet that is very much similar to Sakar in that way that it's like they have one person ruling over it, which is Mongol. And his goal is basically taking the Warworld and traveling throughout the universe and gathering the world's greatest uh, gladiators to fight for his amusement. And Mm -hmm. like, if someone, God forbid, is able to fight their way through everything in the war world they then face mongol and if they are able to defeat him they can leave but like it's it's one of those like you could absolutely and you know for the people we talked about earlier who are very much like i like my wonder woman with the sword that she can stab people with like that would be your wonder woman film there you go interesting i think that's oh that's super cool i think you know it's for me there are there's a couple things that you could go with. Um I think if they wanted to they could bring it back around to the gods, um have her face off with Zeus would be really cool finding out how much of a dick Zeus is. Um, <laughs> I just I I, I want more Themyscira stuff guys. Like I really <laughs> want I Just want Themyscira. Yeah, but um I think it would be also really interesting if you took a character let me think here for a second because like she's she's actually she's had some really good comics in the last few Mm -hmm. years like that rebirth run i can't recommend it enough it's so freaking good Mm -hmm. but um i think if you wanted to have someone who was focused on um focused on something that diametrically opposes what we are used to when it comes to um the things that Diana holds dear, someone who Diana is very much um, based in the past. We've seen in this film that she has an obsession with the past, whether she overcomes that or not. Who's to say? But I think something that would put that at odds would be something that represents the future. And I think if they really wanted to go in kind of a different direction for the film, uh, they could go with Brother I. Uh, which is basically just like this um, it's, it's kind of like uh, what can I attribute it to? It's, it's kind of similar in the way of Ultron where it's like, it's this sentient AI that Bruce Wayne builds to kind of protect the world. It's a very similar to anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, it's this sentient AI that is basically like housed around this big old satellite. Um, and it, is made to make the world better. And you can play with this idea of like, does Diana like let this thing happen? This thing's obsessed with wiping out the past. And like, you could get those space sequences if you wanted. And you can get what I love in any film that does this is, you know, a fight on a spaceship or a satellite in this moment where they suddenly look and they see the earth and like, get like kind of overcome with how beautiful it is. Like you could do stuff like that. I think there's, you know, room to do that if they wanted to even if they wanted to do like martian manhunter or like stuff like that Mm -hmm. but something that challenges her belief that the past is better i think would thematically work for her as a character and work for her um towards a villain but i fucking he says mongol and i can't like i can't stop thinking about mongol (laughs) but uh but yeah, is there any, from what you would be interested as a as a non-comic book fan, is there any story that you would be interested to see, not specifically like, hey, what character would you like, but as a moviegoer, as someone who's seen her journey from the first and second movies, is there a story for Diana that you would be interested in seeing and would come back for a third installment?
2: Yeah, I, I would. I would. I. What you're saying and what Andrea has kind of alluded to is is what they haven't done is kind of her moving past her past, and I would I would like to see that. And it's okay for people. And I think that makes for a great emotional journey. You know, we have mm-hmm. these tidbits that hold us here, and we have to let them go for us to grow as people. And I think that, God forbid, Gal Gadot do any real acting, um, that would be a great way to introduce her to real acting i mean that would be that would be wonderful so and however they decide to get her there would you know i, I think that I, I would watch that story and i mean let's be honest if another woman wonder woman comes out we're all gonna watch it it's whether yeah. we're gonna like it yeah. that's you know yeah. that's right. that's the issue well i mean to your point uh, there
0: i think if they um if they just put her in some acting classes with joel kinnaman i think she'll be oh a, my God. She'll be, <laughs> oh, God. They get nothing done to get nothing done
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Into the Snyderverse. Join us for the next episode, because this is not the end, boys and girls. We actually have another episode coming out for this series where we will be ranking the entire DCEU heading in to the Snyder Cut. So stay tuned for that next time. But for now, for Explain, this is Eric Azana. AJ Kincaid. And Chris Carter. And we will... See you next time. Come